0: 2 Corinthians 10, sorry, wow. Sorry, wrong one. Starting in verse 10 on both of them, but yeah. All right, 2 Corinthians 10. All right, wow. Starting in verse one, it says this. It says, I, Paul, entreat you by meekness and gentleness of Christ. He says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. A lot of people don't like, to, don't like to talk about the meekness and gentleness of Christ. But if they do, they make him into this giant sissy. You know, they, you ever seen the, the modern, modern churches, modern culture, they love to turn Christ into this sissy who just like, oh, it's okay, Jesus loves you, I love you, just, just do you, keep going. No, Jesus in his meekness and gentleness could still be truthful with the people. If you look at the people that Jesus ministered to, you look at Zacchaeus. I'm pretty sure he said some pretty hard stuff to Zacchaeus when he calls him out of the tree when they're having dinner. he goes, I'm going to come dine at your house. And he he didn't call him out, said, Get your little short butt down here and we're going to have a conversation. No. He called him down with meekness and gentleness and said, I'm going to come to your house today, I'm going to dine with you. And then when he's dining with him in meekness and gentleness, but with boldness, you can be bold and have meekness and gentleness. And he said to Zacchaeus, there's some things that you need to change. And I'm guaranteeing that. He didn't say to them, well, you know, if, if you want to, you know, he wasn't having a conversation with Zacchaeus to, to ask him to change. He was saying, this is what needs to change. You didn't see Jesus bargain with people when he, when he was dealing with them. He told them, this is how you deal with it, and this is what needs to be dealt with. Like a lot of the people he healed, he said, hey, I've healed you. Your sins are now forgiven. Go and sin no more. He, he gave them two things. He healed their bodies, restored their bodies, and then he said, go and sin no more. So what was he doing? He was, for, he was healing their physical body, redeeming their spirit yeah. and their soul, and saying, oh, by the way, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. They didn't have to pray the prayer. They didn't have to go up front and have someone pray with them. He gave salvation, and he gave away re- redemption of sin and forgiveness of sin on the spot. So it says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who I, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold, with you when i am away paul is saying hey when i write you these letters it's gonna hurt a little bit he's just letting you know he's like i've been right this is like the sixth letter you know we're we're gonna work on this you should know by now i'm nice to you when i get here but when i'm away it's gonna hurt a little when you read these these were not a one continuous book these are letters written at various times in various locations paul is dealing with these people You have to understand, he's dealing with these multiple churches at the same time, so he's writing multiple letters at the same time. So he's writing the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the the Galatians at the same time. These letters are overlapping with each other in some point. And he's like, I'm writing you because I am bold with you and I'm strong with you in word because when I'm with you, you are easily conformed to what I'm telling you you need to do. So I'm bold with you when I'm away. And he says in verse two, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show you boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against someone who suspects of us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when our obedience is complete. He's not saying I'm going to go out and punish people. He's, I, I believe what Paul is referring to is in our own lives saying, hey, I'm taking every thought captive, everything that comes into my head, I'm going to take th- that thought captive if it comes into the obedience of Christ if it submits to the obedience of Christ, if it lines up with his word, it lines up with the teachings of Jesus and it lines up with what God told his people, I will take that thought captive and I will hold on to that thought. But when that thought that does come in says, oh, well, this is this and oh, this is how you should act. And this is how you do act. And this is how people see you. You take that thought captive and you say, no, this is going to, I'm going to bring myself into the obedience of Christ. So that thought is not a a thought that I have in my life on a daily basis. So he's saying, take those thoughts captive and say, hey, this is not what what God says about me. And say, okay, how do I change the way I think about myself and that thought that I have? You guys ever been driving down the road, and you're driving, and you're just like, you're you're like, I hate driving, I want to get there. And just this thought comes into your head, and you're like, where did that thought come from? Because our mind becomes idle sometimes, so the enemy's like, I'm going to put that thought into your head. Or you're sitting there and you're having a bad day and all sudden sort a of thought comes into your head and you're like, wait a minute, what was, the, where did that come from? What happens is because we have a sin nature, the enemy has a little bit of a, a foothold in our life. Because we live in a fallen world, he has the ability to speak into our lives. It's whether we receive what he has to say is what, how we can live our life or not live our life what happens is people are like, well, you know, they they discount what the devil can do. The devil has some power because he was loosed on this earth. He was given this earth, but we have all authority because Christ had gave us all authority. So what happens is, is this, is we, if we allow him a foothold, he will take that foot in the door. And once he gets a foot in the door, he puts his other foot in the door and he puts his hand in the door and then he pushes the door open, whether we realize it or not. And then what we start to think, what we start to say, starts to line up with his kingdom and not God's kingdom. The devil will put that foot in the door if you allow him to have that foot in the door. You ever had somebody stick their foot in the door and you're like, "Uh, I'm trying to shut the door. And they're like, no, you're not shutting the door. What happens is is this, that foothold can allow things to come through and come into your life. That's why Paul says take every thought captive. If it doesn't come to the obedience of Christ, you have to start to say, okay, how do I bring this, my thought process, my thought life, into obedience to Christ? Those suicidal thoughts, those de- depressing thoughts, those thoughts that no one cares about you, how do you bring those into the, obe- into the obedience of Christ? How do you change those into the obedience of Christ? How do you change that, oh, God doesn't love me because he's mad at me because I did this, or I did this, or to think that God is still angry with you. That thought can come back into anybody's life. You can be doing well, you're like, God loves me, and you're like this, and one bad thing happens, one bad day happens, you're like, God is angry with me, and he's punishing me. That thought can come back so quickly in every believer's mind, whether you've been a believer for one day or 20 years, that thought can come back sometimes, and you're like, then you have to go, wait a minute, that one day I was doing something, and I'm like, oh, man, God's just probably mad at me. I'm like, like wait a minute, why am I thinking this? What, what? I was like, what just came out of my mouth? What, what did I just confess over my life that God is angry with me? Think about this. How do you act when somebody is angry with you? What do you do? You tiptoe around them. You worry about them. You stay away. You kind of isolate to a certain area, and you're like, you know, when the boss is, comes in, and he's had a bad weekend, and he's, you know mad everybody what do they do they hide they just stay in their 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 spot they don't ever move and they're just like he's mad let's let's just look look busy yep i'm doing stuff you know that's what happens you know like i worked at a place and when the boss came in you're like oh crap he's coming in and he's driving fast that means he's po'd and he is gonna roll some heads when he comes in everybody's like you know you're, you're like oh i think i have to go outside and do something now you know And what happens is, is we can have that mentality with God sometimes. And what happens is, is if we allow that, that mindset, whether the enemy put that in our head or not, if our thought life starts to pick up that God is angry with us and he's mad at us and we did something wrong, sin is sin. And we ask for forgiveness. But what happens is we can take our own sin and compile it on, compile it on, and then start to, to believe that God is angry with us because of something that we have done. Is he upset? Is he like, why did you do that? Yes, but he's not like, well, my wrath is now going to be poured out on you and he pops you from heaven with a lightning bolt. He's not going to be like, you know, oh, they did something wrong. I'm going to get them in a car crash or, oh, they did something wrong. I'm going to put sickness on their life. The problem is, is that that mindset is the far extreme of that little first thought. That little first thought that God is angry with you. And he's mad at you. And something bad is going to happen because I did this is what God is angry. God wants me to be sick. God wants me to do this is the, is the starting point of that extreme. And that's why Paul says take every thought captive. When we, when we think God is mad at us and angry with us, we have to go, well, wait a minute. Why did I say that? Why? What is in my head that's making me say that? Because usually what's in here comes out of here. What's here goes to here and then out of there. And then this gets us in trouble. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. So what you confess, what you talk about in your daily life, you will receive. It is a proven fact. And Paul says, when you have those thoughts, take them captive and then go back to the word and say, what does God actually say about me? God calls us friend, he doesn't no longer call us slave, he calls us friend, Jesus calls us brothers, sisters, he says that he redeemed us, heirs to the kingdom, what else does God say about us? He says that in, in his word that we are healed, we are delivered, and the problem is, is we, we take that one little phrase that comes out of our mouth and we, and we build a whole doctrine upon it for our lives. We build a whole doctrine in our own lives that God is mad and he's just punishing me for a reason. God doesn't punish people. If you look at it, there is discipline. If you don't understand the difference between punishment and discipline, come see Sarah afterwards and she will keep, give you a book called Keep Your Love on. You will under, have read that and when you read that, you will understand there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Dis, God disciplines us when we do wrong because he wants us to follow him. And he wants us to be on the right path. But what happens is people think that God punishes us, gives us sickness, gives us these, takes people from us. You know, someone died because God was mad at them or didn't love them. That is not how God works. So Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. We have too many Christians that are waging war in the flesh and not in the spirit. We have a prayer team to why? To wage a war in the flesh? No, to wage war in the spirit. We don't get people together to be a prayer team and then they're like, well, you know, oh, sister so-and-so is just dealing with this. I'm just letting you know so you can pray for them. No, it's not a gossip time. It's not time for them to gossip and talk about whoever's dealing with their issues. We all got issues. But it's time for them to do spiritual battle When you're dealing with something, if you need something, if you're dealing with something and you want to see a result, what do you do? Do you go in, if you're dealing with sickness, what do you do? Do you go into the doctor and shake him by the shirt and say, fix me now? No, please don't. You'll get an assault charge Um, and you probably won't be let let back into Pine Medical. Um, But what do you do? You go to God you start us because God is a spirit and we have a spirit and we go to God and we start to deal with the issues then and what do we do we pray praying is not going in and shaking the doctor heal me now praying is saying going to the creator of the universe the one who loves us and wants us to be healed and saying lord i want to receive healing now how many of you guys have ever been prayed for and received healing okay so a good part of you it doesn't come when we expect it it doesn't come when we want it all the time it doesn't it, god's timing is different than our timing we have to understand there's a spiritual battle when we pray for healing what did daniel do daniel prayed and he prayed and he prayed and, and the angel shows up and goes i was delayed because of the prince of persia and so what happens is is what happens is is sometimes when we are believing for something to, to come into our lives and to be able to receive from God, there is a delay because there is a spiritual battle that we don't even see what's going on. The problem is, is we have too many Christians that don't see in the spiritual, they only see in the physical. That's why Paul's saying, quit looking for your weapons of warfare in the physical and start to look for your weapons in the spiritual realm. Your prayers, you praying, That's why you need to learn to pray. If you haven't taken the prayer course, I've said this a hundred billion gazillion times now, take it. Uh, If you haven't taken it, take it. If you're not on the prayer team, take it. If you're going to be on the prayer team, take it. If you have already taken it again, take it again. Because we need to understand what prayer is. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. When that stronghold in our life or someone else's life we pray for, Paul says our prayers and the weapons that we have in the spiritual are there to take down those strongholds. But I want to let you know this, God puts strongholds in that place. When he tears down a stronghold, he will put another stronghold in your place. Because God's not going to leave you defenseless. A stronghold is what? To defend somebody, something or to keep something out. So when God comes in, he's going to tear down that stronghold, he's going to replace it with something of his, and he's going to build that up in you. And so many times, oh, stronghold. Yeah, well, do you understand that God builds spiritual strongholds in our life? He puts things in our life in faith, increases our faith. Faith is a stronghold that we have to defend against the enemy. And he's going to build that, and he's going to build that. And every layer of faith, every little step of brick, that brick that next brick, that next brick of faith, when we can hold off, and when it's not, oh, I need everybody to pray for me, but when something happens, you instantly know what I need to do. God, I'm going to you. When, you remember when you're a first believer, you just go to somebody and pray for me anytime there was something going on because you didn't know how to pray. But when God comes into our life and he starts to build that prayer, that prayer life and he starts to build faith and he builds faith, you don't have to run to somebody like, John, I need you to help me. Can you pray for me? Okay. He will, yeah. If I say, John, I need something, he's like, what do you need? I know John is going to do, before, before I ask, he'll come down, sit down. He'll sit in the chair right by the door in our house. You guys all know that chair. that. And he'll look at you, what do you guys need right now? I'm like, I don't think I need anything. He's like, think about it a little longer. You know, something like that. And, but I know if I go to John, he's going to pray for me. But as a believer, when I'm first born again, if I go to John, he's going to pray for me. That's great. But as I become mature and I build that stronghold of faith that God starts to lay that brick down, lay that brick down, faith rises up inside of me, and I don't have to run to somebody immediately and say, I can immediately go, Lord, this is what your word says. This is what your will is. I'm going to pray that. I'm going to believe that. But then I can also go to him and say, hey, this is what I've been praying for. This is what's going on in my life. I need you to partner with prayer. It's not, oh, well, I just go to everybody for prayer. That needs to rise up in us. The weapons that we, God has given us, first of all, is prayer. Prayer is the first thing that we can do. We can go to him immediately, have instant connection with God. But so many believers, they, they put prayer off as the last thing. You know, they're like, I'm going to go, you know, down there and tell who's who and what's what that they're, they're possessed by a demon and they just need to, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? deal with the physical when you need to deal with the physical but deal with the spiritual we have to have spiritual eyes to be able to see what's going on too many people see see a manifestation of uh, spiritual things in a physical way and they're like well that i'm just gonna go have to go deal with that no start with the prayer start to deal with the, the the king the the lower g god of this world start to deal with what's going on say god what do i need to change in order to deal with this what have I done to allow this to happen in my life? Where do I need to change in order to combat what's going on in my life? Where, do I, where did I miss it? And I think so many times we just instantly run into battle, but we, need to, we don't go with a battle plan. We need to first go to God and say, God, what am I doing? What, what, what's, happen, what's happened in my life? What did I, did, is there something that I need to change in order to deal with that? And too many times we just rush in there and we're all like swinging and I'm just going to... You know, you're just, you're doing that, like, the little kid in the forehead thing, and you're just trying to slap, and, and, and I used to do that with Lana. I would, she would, we would, and I would just do this, and Sarah, I used to do that with you, too. I <laughs> <You're> used, to. <laughs> used to, yeah, but um, so many times we rush into battle without knowing the battle plan. We don't go to, to the one who's in charge first and say, what do I need to do, God? What are you telling me to do? in order to deal with the situation. We just go in and say, I'm just going to repeat every scripture that I know over this situation, whether I know if it applies to this situation or not. And that's why sometimes there is a the wrong weapon for the right time. Sometimes we use the wrong we- weapon at the right time, and it's like, no, we need to use the right weapon at the right time. We go in, and we're like trying to do this, and it's God's like, that's not, I don't know what you're doing, but that's not what you're supposed to be doing. And then sometimes we use the right weapon at the wrong time. So we can use the wrong weapon and the right weapon both at the wrong time, and we don't get the results that when we pray or when we're dealing with a situation because we're just kind of just like, I'm just going to throw a blanket clause over everything, and hopefully one of these will work out. Yeah, you all been there. I know you all have. You say that one weird prayer, and you're like, God, you're just like, what can I quote? What can I say this? And you're just like, I'm just going to throw everything at it and hopefully this kind of just covers that situation and it will work out in the end. You know, like, I didn't do that. And God's reminding you, you do. Um, but, it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience with your obedience complete. What he's saying is this, is when those thoughts come in, you take them, you take them to the woodshed and say, no, this is not my thought. This is not the thought that lines up with what Christ is. My obedience to Christ is going to tell that thought, you don't have a place here. You take it to the woodshed, you get it in line, and then you bring it back into into your life what it should be. But sometimes we pray the wrong thing for the situation we're in. We're like, we just kind of throw up that lob prayer, you know, it's like that last second in the basketball game, you just kind of throw it out there and hopefully it just kind of hits something or, you know, and... We throw up prayers that are not appropriate for the situation. God still wants to hear from us, but they're not appropriate for the situation that we're dealing with. We try to, we throw up these, you know, yes, Hail Marys. And we just, it's, it's tough. There's, I've, I've seen it sometimes. I've seen people come up for, he, they ask for healing. And I've seen people say, God, if it's your will... And if you cho- want to, and if you want to, and they just kind of throw up this very generic because they don't know what to pray. So like, someone comes up at the end of service says, I, "I need healing," and you're like, "Okay, let's let's pray for it." And you're just like, "God, we thank you that you love them, and we thank you that your will and whatever your will is for their life and their and their their healing, and whatever your lo- will is for their finances, God, let it just be." And it's like, that's a blanket prayer, that's like we need to know the will of God. We can know the will of God when we look at his word. But what happens is people use the, the blanket kind of God's will prayer because it's so safe. Yeah. Cause think about this. That is the safest prayer to pray. God, it's your will. If they're healed or not, if they're healed, it was his will. If they die, it was his will. Yeah. And that's such a generic, really lame, lazy prayer we need to pray prayers that are appropriate and the t- use the tools that are appropriate for the situation that we're in use the weapon for the right use the right weapon at the right time not the wrong weapon at the wrong time so throwing up that blanket oh well god you know whatever happens it happens it's kind of like that good vibes God, we just thank you that you give them good vibes, and whatever happens to them, that they just have good vibes, and if they die, they, they, it's okay, they're with you, and if they, if they live, then that was your will. Well, it's disgusting. The problem is, is when you pray, oh, if it's your will, God, that they be healed, you're using the wrong weapon at the, at the right time. You want to pray for healing and sickness to leave. You don't want to be like, well, God, you know, if, it, if, it, if you want to, you know. But if you look at his will and his word, it says that he wants us healed. The problem is, is too many people are like, well, you know, when the last apostle had died, everything, God just stopped speaking, he stopped moving, he just stopped doing stuff. I'm like, then why is he God? If he just stopped doing everything... I'm like, if God just stopped doing anything, then why do we, then is he still good? That's my question to the people that don't believe that God can heal, that he just stopped healing. Like, you know, John's on the Isle of Patmos, John goes, and dies, and God's like, "Eh, I'm done. No, that's not how God works. (laughs) God's like, oh, I get to retire now. It's not how God works. But the problem is, is we've treated God that way in some of our belief systems. We've treated that, that God just stopped working at a certain time. So if God stopped working at a certain time, then why do we even pray for the things that we need to pray for? Why would we ask to be blessed if God just stopped speaking and stopped working in, you know, whatever it was, 90 um, A.D.? I'm like, so for the last 2,000 years, we've just been praying to a guy who's on retirement now? No, that's not, that's not who God is. And he's proven that he's not on in retirement, and he's not, oh, well, you know, at that point, it's like, then why do you pray if you believe that God is going to, may work or may not work? Sometimes God's will is not for what we want. But when did Je- Jesus, didn't say, when you pray, pray what you want and what your will is, and we'll see what happens. No, he said, when you pray, pray, it's his will, not your will. It's his kingdom, and what Jesus is saying is when you pray, pray prayers that line up with what his, the scripture says, line up with what God's will has been proven through Jesus. So don't pray, oh, no, God, well, you know, I could really use that, uh, that Mercedes right now because I really wanted it. And, like, if you don't show up, then I guess you just don't love me. But we pray stupid prayers like that. And we got people that are Christians for years and they pray stupid prayers like that. Yes, I'm using the S word in church. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably one of the words I can use that I won't get scolded by Emma, so yeah. Yeah, I I probably, can I use, yeah, she's not here so she won't scold me, so. But, yeah, she'll hear about it though. Uh, Yeah, she comes up to me, she taps me on the shoulder, she goes, we're not allowed to say that word. I'm like, oh, I said, i said, I'm sorry. I'm like, do you scold daddy? I, I almost asked, I said, do you scold daddy too? I, was, I knew she was going to say something, but I didn't want to. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is this, is we pray ridiculous prayers for the things that we're going through. There's a prayer of just asking God, help me to get through this. I don't know what to pray. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to give me guidance to go through what I'm going through. But when we start to pray these ridiculous prayers of like, you know, whatever happens, God, and whatever, you know, God's will is very clear. And if you look at his, his word, it's clear to us what he wants for us. You know, Jesus said, I, I, I've come and God sent me because he doesn't want any to perish. God didn't say, well, you know, there's going to be a few, every church that I get to select and the rest of you, you're all just. You know yeah. hell fodder. You know. God doesn't do that. God says he God sent Jesus so that none would perish yeah. and, but experience the, the gift of salvation through his son. And yeah. what do you think sometimes unbelief comes when people don't see instant healing? Sometimes Jesus says, Walk with me, we still believe what Jesus said, Walk with me a Yeah, come on, that's good. J G- when the disciples came to Jesus, what did they say? They, they said, we believe, but help us in our unbelief. Because there was always that little doubt there. In our natural mind, there's always that little doubt. Is God going to work? Yeah. And that's what they're saying is, you've got to help us with that unbelief. That's where I'm talking about strongholds. Strongholds of faith in our life to, tear, to, to weed out that one little, well, help our un-, that little stronghold that says, well, what if he doesn't? And my question is, is this is even if he doesn't, is he still a good God? Yes, he is still a good God. So what Jesus said, he goes, I came that all could experience salvation, all experience a relationship with God, that none would perish. But I'm going to give you a situation, and you all can raise your hand in, in your head. When someone you work with, someone you know is behaving badly, And you think it's your job to tell them that they're behaving badly and rebuke them. Okay. My question is is this. Maybe there could have been wisdom and discernment to assess and to need to know what is going on in that situation. To know the timing. We just like to... You know, our spouses get out of line. We're like, yep, 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 yep. I'm going to tell you what and right when and how Jesus is mad at you right now because you're acting this way. Yeah. All you who are married that aren't laughing should be laughing right now. <laughs> but there's timing. See, what happens is we use the wrong tools for the, the situation we're in. You know, you got a coworker that's off the chain crazy and you're like, what are they even doing? They're, they're crazy to customers or they're crazy to other colleagues and you're like what the heck's going on with them when someone is behaving badly and you think it's your job to rebuke them you have to use wisdom and discernment using those tools and those weapons that god gives us he will be able to give us a insight what what is going on a lot of times we don't realize the way people behave is not because of just their behavior. It's because of what is going on in their life, what they've been listening to, what they, who's been speaking into their life. Yeah. There's been times where I, Sarah and I were talking one time and she got off the, I, wasn't, I don't remember I if was on she was she, she was on the phone with someone yeah. and it's the moment she got off the phone, it was like depression. They were struggling with- yeah, they were struggling and all of a sudden she got off the phone, she's like, I just need to lay down. She's like, I just don't want to. She, it, wasn't even, it was a quick conversation, but that spiritual thing came on her so quickly, and we had to say, okay, be able to see what was going on and say, okay, wait a minute, not, no, not a normal thing for her. What, who, who did you just talk to? Who did you just listen to? And what were you talking about? I was watching this, um, this minister, and he said, I went to the, um, the Washington, D.C. Pride Parade, and I was praying for people, and we were seeing people, healed and we're seeing people born again and he said i had this guy come up to me and he goes i'm from england he worked with prince charles and and he said um he was talking about some things he said hey do you mind if i take a picture with you And he said yeah that's fine and so he took a picture with him and he goes within a couple hours he goes i was sick and i was just like out of my mind sick and he and god said to me he goes why did you allow in what I didn't tell you to allow? And he said, what are, you, what are you talking about, God? And God said to him, he goes, that was a practicing warlock, and you gave him permission to come into your sphere, come into your life, and to, to be part of what you were doing. And I think so many times we allow people and allow things into our life that we don't even realize because we don't use discernment. We don't say, God, what do you want me to do? Discernment, start, okay, so the beginning of wisdom is common sense doesn't say that in the Bible, but it is. Discernment comes from using the wisdom that you've experienced, but also allowing the Holy Spirit to tell you what is happening in that season. You guys ever walk into a a situation and you're like, what is going on? And all of a sudden you can just kind of key in on what is going on, and you kind of get an understanding of of what it is without anybody talking. You can just kind of sense this, get the room. There's the Holy Spirit giving you the understanding of how to see what's going on and how to deal with it. But what happens is we don't use the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift and, a, and as a tool to use and to tap into Him when we are going through situations or in a situation saying, okay, what is going on? Like you walk into a room and it's just super tense or it's just super awkward and it's like, you know, you're like, what happened? Did like everybody in this room get in a fight in the car before they got here? Like what is going on? And you just go, okay, Holy Spirit, what's going on? What's happening And you say, the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom when you stop and listen and say, okay, oh, this is what's going on. And he's going to give you an idea of what tools to use, what weapons to use to start to change the atmosphere in your homes, in your workplaces, and be able to bring what the kingdom is instead of what the the awkward conversation, the fights, whatever spiritual thing is happening in that place. So, when we are led by the Spirit, we're able to, to understand what the, what the Spirit is doing. So many people like to say, "Oh, well, I'm led by the Spirit," but then they, they can't. They don't understand what the Spirit's doing. Oh, well, that, that's a that's a very common phrase. People are like, "Oh, yep, I'm led by the Holy Spirit," but you're not able to have eyes what the eyes like the Holy Spirit can see what is going on. We try, to, we try to go into it as Christians and use the natural eyes to see what the situation is instead of going in as, as Christians and using the Holy Spirit to see what is happening in that place. It, it's easy to blow up a room when you're in the flesh. Turn a, uh, turn a room from a powder keg to an explosion very quickly. But with the Holy Spirit, you can see what is happening and be able to diffuse the situation because He's going to give you the wisdom and the tools and the weapons to start to fight against what is happening. All right. So let's turn to Ephesians 6, verse 10. So God gives us weapons to use. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about it. It talks about. the weapons that he has given us and how to use them and what they're for. All right, Ephesians 6, verse 10, says this, says, finally, this is the end of the letter, it says, finally, out of everything I've said to you, finally, be strong. I think he's, he left the most important for last. It's like, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in, in the strength of his might. Say that again, his might. His might. So what he's saying is, be strong in the Lord and his might. Not you going into the situation and you doing a slap fight with whatever. You don't understand what's going on. And you're just, you know, going in and trying to slap fight the devil. You, you don't go in and slap the devil in the face. You, you have to have eyes to see what's going on in the spiritual to be able to pray and to deal with what's going on. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Schemes. You never see schemes as a good thing. (laughs) Yes, pyramid schemes, not a good thing. (laughs) If someone says, hey, if you get somebody to join up and you join up and then they'll join up and then they'll join up, guess who's getting rich? The guy at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't been in a pyramid scheme at some time in your life, you haven't lived, so... (laughs) So, against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's like, we don't, we're not fighting a physical war. Right, right. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's talking that we are fighting against spiritual things that are evil in our world. What happened in Israel... People are like, oh, that's bad. No, that's evil. When, 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 th- when thousands of people are just gunned down, it's evil. But what happens is, is like, well, I'm just going to deal with this. What happens is we try to deal with spiritual things in a physical way. And like, oh, well, I'm just going to go slap the devil out of them. Well, that's not how that works. I'm sorry. and You can say that, but slapping the devil out of somebody doesn't really work. You're just going to end up with a fist fight and then you'd be on an episode of Cops. Um, but he's saying we're dealing with spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we're talking about in the atmosphere around us, in the spiritual realm that we cannot see, but it affects us. There are evil things, demons, the enemy, Satan, that are trying to Divide us, destroy us, destroy our families, destroy our marriages, destroy our businesses, destroy everything they can get their hands on and their nasty claws. And Paul says, that's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with just some dude that walks up and says, I don't like you. I got a lot of people to say that, and I'm like, I don't care. Um, Paul says, therefore if you're going to deal with this, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, all to stand firm, he says, stand firm. He's not like, well, take it all up and then run away. He says, stand firm. He's telling Christians to stand firm. He's telling people to stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God has taught, taught us, stand firm and stop running away. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. He says, in all circumstances. That's a critical piece. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. What he's saying is, in all circumstances, start to build that stronghold of faith in your life that when something happens, you immediately either know what to pray or you go to God and say, God, what do I need to pray? What do I need to do in this circumstance? So take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. And you all... Ugh, blah, 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 wow, you can't spit that out. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul's saying, hey, when you're dealing with the circumstances of the spiritual realm quit trying to slap fight the devil, start to use the weapons that are spiritual for taking down strongholds. He says, we're not wrestling against what we see in front of us. Too many times as Christians, we look at the person in front of us and say, I'm, I'm, this is against this person, but it's not. There is a whole atmosphere and there's a whole realm that we cannot see that that person is wrapped up into the way that we are wrapped up into. It's just what kingdom are you operating under? There's the kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. And sometimes as Christians, we can realize that we don't even realize we stepped into the kingdom of darkness. And what happens is we have to to rearrange our life and say, God, what did I do that I accidentally did that or didn't pay attention and I was operating with the kingdom of darkness in my life and I didn't even realize it. Something needs to change in my heart. So I operate in your kingdom, not the enemy's kingdom. But he's saying, take up the armor. The armor is what protects us. The the helmet of salvation, think about this. What is going to protect your ears, your eyes, and your mouth most of the time? It's the helmet. The helmet is what protects our head, our thought life. He's saying, salvation is there. Use what you have. Salvation is what protects our, our thought. It protects our, the, our thought life can be very deceiving if we are not focused on the truth. When we are focused on the truth, and I don't mean like whatever truth you want it to be. I'm talking about the, the word of God. When we focus on the truth, we focus on his word, that helmet protects us from the attacks, the, the thoughts, those stupid thoughts like, hey, just go crash your car into this light pole. Yeah, yeah. That, that thought that creeps into people's heads on random occasions because that's the enemy trying to implant things into your heart and into your head because what happens is when you start to think away, as a man thinks, so think about this. As you start to think, your thought life, as you think about things, your thought life will direct how you act and how you speak. Because what happens is, is this, you hear something, you start to think about it. Well, you know, nobody likes me. I'm, you know, I'm not worth anything. I don't have value. But that's not what God says. God calls all of us precious. He calls all of us unique. He calls all of us valuable. And what happens is that, that helmet helps protect us. The helmet of salvation helps protect our, our thought life and and our, our mind from becoming twisted and deranged with the thoughts the enemy wants us to think if the enemy could do it right now would he not kill all christians yeah. he would because why because we pose a threat to him in the spiritual realm because what we're doing is we're taking back what he has stolen and what happens is is when we when when god works in our lives and healing comes and new jobs come in and, and relationships getting healed comes that is taking back what the enemy had or wants to destroy. Mm-hmm. Think about this. The enemy wants to destroy every marriage. Yep. Why does he want to destroy marriage? Because marriage is the bedrock of our society. It's what keeps husbands and wives in the home, create healthier kids than single parents. No offense. I'm not trying to be mean if you're a single parent, but it's a proven fact that healthy, healthier kids, less crime, less, um, uh, less uneducation comes from the family. And what does the enemy want to do? He wants to destroy the family. If he can get that thought in your head, oh, they don't love me. They don't want to be with me anymore. I'm just going to leave, blah, blah, blah. That's how he destroys families. And what does he do? He doesn't just just destroy the, the marriage. He destroys the, the generation. He, he implants seeds in that generation of, of things that those kids will have doubt. If you come from divorce, you know what it's like. Your world's rocked when divorce happens. Divorce is the, is, messes you up. You're, you know, I was 12, 13, and everything you know, that foundation that you know of in the home just gets obliterated. And that's where the enemy creeps in, especially with kids. He says, well, it was your fault mom and dad broke up. It was this, this is what you did. The lies the enemy will tell you in order to destroy you are huge. And that's the helmet of salvation helps protect us, helps protect our thought life. And we can look back at his word and say, okay, God, what do you say about me and not what? Society says about me, what my teachers say about me, what people at school who don't like me say about me. That's why we need people to encourage us. We need people who are who are believers to encourage you because there's going to be days where you're struggling, and you you can go to them and say, "Hey, I'm just struggling. I need you just to build me up right now. I need you to just to to talk to me because I'm not able to to comprehend what God is trying to tell me right now." You need that encouragement from other people. That's why the. Husbands and wives are good. When we're dealing with something, when she's having a bad day, I'm like, it's fine. It'll be okay. And then I try, encourage her. And she's like, don't tell me it's going to be fine. Like, but it will. <laughs> and, but that's what
1: husbands and wives are according to the word of God. Yes. And I mean, if
0: your wife or husband is not serving the Lord, you just got to pray that God has sent others. Yes, so, so yes. You because you don't submit to the enemy. You're yeah, like the enemy. yeah. But, like, if I'm having a bad day, I can go to her and I know she's going to encourage me. If she's having a bad day, I know I can go to, I'll go to her and be like, hey, what's going wrong? Like, like clockwork, she knows I'm calling her at 1130 and 430 when I'm out of work. I'm like, how was your day? What's going on? What do you need? Just, you know, every day at 1130, I call her up most of the time, unless I'm drinking chocolate milk. And (laughs) if I go to the store and there's chocolate milk, I'm drinking chocolate milk and I forget to call about her. I'm, you know, just saying. But I call her and I'm like, how's your day going? what's going on? And I asked her, how'd it go? Because I want to know, and I want to, to be able to say, okay, I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to pray with you if something's going bad. And there was times when her dad was passing and the whole family's being a bunch of psychopaths. I was like, what what's going on with your crazies today? I'm like, what do I need to do to, you know, to help you or pray with you? Because you need that support system. We need each other as a support system. When we're going through spiritual things, when we're going through struggles, we need each other. You know, like John will come down and just say, what do you need? Sometimes it's like, oh, we need you to pray for this. And other times it's like, oh, well, we're doing good. What do you need? And he doesn't like answering that question, but we ask ask him that question in return because we care enough about him that we know he cares about us and we care about him, so we're going to be a reciprocal in our prayer with each other and what's going on, what, what can we help with, what can we pray for. And that's the same way. Our kids know they can come to us if they're struggling with something and say, hey, this is what's going on, we're praying. We got, our, we got our little chat. If something's good going on, they know. If something bad's going on, we need, and they know. Because we're communicating with each other. And when we don't communicate with each other, that's what the enemy wants. He wants to, to draw us away from each other. When he can draw you away, he has you. That's how people... they leave church. Oh, I just, I didn't, something happened. Nobody talked to me. It's like he drew you away. He singled you out and he pushed you off to the side. And it's like that bully. When he isolates you, he pounds the crap out of you until your big brother or somebody else comes around and says, hey, you're not doing that. And that's why we need each other because We help each other. We walk with each other because we need that to go through that journey. We need each other to be there. Say, hey, I'm going through this. Will you pray for me? I'm going through this. Will you pray for me? Do not let the enemy put those thoughts in your head. And when he tries to put those thoughts in your head, go back to the word of God. Go back to the scripture and say, no, this is what the scripture, this is what Jesus, this is what the father in heaven tells me about myself, not what the enemy says. Your words will drag you into worlds that you don't even want to be in your mouth will destroy or build i've watched people with a mouth on them and they've destroyed everything they've destroyed their families their marriages their jobs everything because they cannot get their tongue under control they cannot get their thought life under control they just think it and they just speak it out the moment something comes into their head they're speaking it out and it's like life and death you're speaking life and death what do you choose to speak? You choose with, with your words you can build up and destroy. So our thought process, if we get our thoughts in line, what we speak is usually going to come under the submission of that. When we can say, oh, nope, this is not how Jesus talks, this is not how Jesus thinks, and we start to line ourselves up with that, that's how our thought life and our words get in line. So we need to use the weapons we have first. And that is the truth, the truth of the word of God. It keeps the rest of the wep- the belt of truth keeps the rest of the weapons in place. When we, we, neg- when we start to move away from the word of God, but we use all of the rest of the Christianese, we're, we're just an atheist that likes the Christian culture. Think about it. If you, if you don't use the word of God, if you don't use the Bible, and, but you like all the other stuff. I like going to church and I like singing the songs and they're, they're fun. And, but you don't use the word of God if you're not using the Bible, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not in the Bible, you're just a Christian atheist that likes to come to church and hang out with people because they have coffee and the, the, they're, they're nice to me. This is not a social club. We cannot take Christian life out of, or excuse me, we cannot take the Word of God out of Christian life and still be Christian. That's right. The Word of God has to be rooted in the central point of our lives otherwise we're just to come into a club to hang out with people and we, you know we sit around for an hour listen to some dork talk so i mean that's true. Uh, i mean real i mean that's what it is i mean think about it you we, when we take the word of god out of church what is it it's not church it's just it's social club i forgot to say neurotic dork No, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little, you yeah. know, so anyway, but what I'm saying is, is focus on the word of God, central to church is the word of God, that has to be spoken in the church, if it is not spoken in the church, and they translate it into, oh dear, whatever Jesus that is up in heaven, whatever gender you are, get up and walk away, I'm just saying, if we take scripture, true scripture, out of, the word of, out of the church, it is no longer church. It is a fun group of people that like to hang out and pretend they're spiritual. Let's pray.